0: While you're turning there, let's get the nugget out of the way. Are you ready? Life is not how long you live. Life is not how long you live, but about whether you're living. One more time. Life is not how long you live, but about whether you're living for Christ. Think about that. You know, you can have a long life. A lot of people have long lives, and they're short-lived. For eternity is where we want to be. Father, we're praising you. We just give you thanks, Lord, as we look to your word. We thank you once again, Father God, as we open the word, Father God, that your Holy Spirit is here, Father God, to lead and guide and direct each and every one of us, Father God, to new revelations that you'll show each and every one of us. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks in Jesus' name. In Matthew chapter 8, that's Matthew chapter 8, and we want to look at verse 27. Matthew 8, 27. But the men marvel, saying, What manner a man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him. What manner of man is this? Uh, we'll be looking at that fa- phase. What manner of man is this? The life and ministry of Jesus was so profound that those uh, meeting him felt the need to respond to him either in love or in hate. Uh, no one who met him didn't come up with some type of a decision regarding the Lord. Um, Jesus was fearless. He faced sickness, sins, demons, humanity, and even death. He was not afraid to love. He got involved in people's lives. And he was not afraid to believe. So with that. Let's go to the next book, which is after Matthew, we find the book of. Well, we go to Mark, book of Mark, and we'll be looking at chapter 3. It's Mark chapter 3, looking at, beginning with verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue. and There was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto, them, and said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? To save life or to kill. But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto them, and said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. Verse 6 And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him or kill him. Wow. In this chapter of Mark, we're going to see five different reactions that Jesus had. Um, This is where he's starting his healing ministry, the, the healing of this man. Jesus had confronted the man who had a physical uh, deformity, uh, a withered hand. Uh, Acts of mercy and charity are never unreasonable. Acts of mercy and charity are never unreasonable. He says, is it lawful to do good to a man as it is proper to attend the worship of God on the Lord's day? That's essentially what he was saying. Let's look at verse 2 once again. And they watched him. Who, who's watching him? Verse t- 6 tells us it's the Pharisees. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. Wow. It's the Pharisees. These uh, Pharisees. watchdogs were spying that they might accuse Jesus of doing something wrong. Um, As spectators, these Pharisees were very unkind. Instead of interceding, they did they would hinder, or would hinder the man's cure. Uh, Obstinate individuals deny the truth and will not yield to it, but rather falsely discredit and give evil reports to to malign and individuals' characters. You know, there's not only Pharisees in the religious world, but there's Pharisees in the political world, as some of you, uh, if you're keeping in contact with the, our political system, you know there's Pharisees. They're lying and doing all sorts of things, and they don't want to hold to the truth. Um, let's go to verse 5. And when he had looked around about with uh, with them in anger and being grieved of the hardness of the heart, he said unto them, unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, as the other. Glory to God. Hardness of heart is very displeasing to the Lord, and uh, unfortunately. A lot of Christians have hardness of heart. We have hardness of heart in certain areas of our heart, I, I hate to say. Uh, hardness of heart means to be dried up, uh, to being become uh, stiff or stubborn. How many are stubborn when it comes to things? Wow, That's a hardness of heart, isn't it? Uh, willful rebellion, having spiritual ignorance is hardness of heart. Uh, There's unbelief and yielding to the deceitfulness of lies and sin. That's a hardness of heart. The Pharisees responded to Jesus by seeking to form an alliance. Look at verse 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him that they might destroy or kill him or put him to death. Um, So the Pharisees are... Thought to get with the Herodians. Um, Herodians at at this time were followers of King Herod and they were a political party. Oh, that sounds familiar. They're a political party that wanted to restore Herod back to the throne in Judea as well as other areas ruled by Herod the Great. That sounds like it's familiar. In the political party, somebody wanted to reestablish something So we got a lot of Pharisees out there. Okay, let's continue. Uh, Let's go to, beginning with verse um, 7. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan. And there about Tyre and Sidon, a great, uh, great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that, small sh- that the small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should, be th- uh, should throng him. Wow. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. Verse 11, And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And verse 12, And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. So we see, we have Pharisees, and we're seeing here at uh, verse 11, there's unclean spirits. Unclean spirits are... are, are in opposition to the Lord. Amen? Okay. Look at, look at it again. Look what they said. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Why would they say that? Here's somebody with the unclean spirit. There's people all around. And the individual's unclean spirits are falling down and saying, Thou art the Son of God. What's going on here? Why would the unclean spirits say, Thou art the Son of God? I mean, you'd think you know, a believer would say that, but somebody that's against God would say, Thou art the Son of God. Uh, they said this for two different reasons. Uh, Proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God, the unclean spirits would seem to make him an associate or a partner with him. But When you go out, when you're out with the other believers and you say praise the Lord and all that type of stuff, oh, these are believers. But here's, here's an unclean spirit saying, you could say praise the Lord. Well, there mustn't be an association there. There must be some kind of ties there. So the unclean spirits are saying, Jesus is with us. We call him Son of God. There's nothing wrong with us. Are you following what I'm saying so far? And if Jesus did not cut them off, they would prematurely uh, stop his work. Because all these, you could figure all these, you know, Beelzebub, or as later on they said Beelzebub. Well, he's part of us. So, we, you know, well, let me put it there. There's a lot of religions out there saying Jesus is Lord, but they don't do what they're called to do. They are liars. They're unclean. Are you following me? So, you know, So, unclean spirits. Um, So, Jesus told them, shut up. Keep your mouth shut. And what they had to do, they had to shut up. Higher authority. Glory to God. Okay, let's go on to verse 13. And he goeth up into a mountain and calls unto him, him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained... Twelve, that they should be with him that they might send him that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out de- uh, devils verse 16 and Simon he surnamed Peter and James and James the son of Zebedee and John uh, the brother of James and he surnamed them uh, Borgenes, which is the sons of thunder and Andrew and Philip and, and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite, verse 19, and Judas Iscariot which also betrayed him and they went into the house. Verse 20, and the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. I mean he's being pressed around all, all of Jesus' is, done miraculous works and people are saying we can if we go to Jesus we're going to get saved or get healed from this and we're going to be you know he might even break bread and feed us okay verse 21 and when his what friends heard of it they went out to lay hold of him for they had said he is beside himself friends okay we, we've Looked at Pharisees. We looked at unclean spirits. Now we're going to look at friends. Friends came to comfort him, we think. Verse 13. And he goeth into a mountain and calleth unto him unto him those whom he would, and they came unto him. So Jesus selected a few we find out, 12 men to follow him. And look at verse 14, and he ordained the 12 that they should be with him that he might send them forth to preach. So the ministry is now launched. He's got 12 individuals that are going to help him do the job that he's called to do. He gave them authority and through organization the power to accomplish the things that he was, that these people would entitled to do send forth the good news of the gospel. All right, go. Let's go back to verse twenty, or return to verse twenty. And the multitudes came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. Wow, well, I mean that's a that's crowded. I mean if if this if, if if we were crowded in this room here, I mean shoulder to shoulder. Uh, front to back and all that type of side to side you couldn't eat bread it was crowded wow and when his friends heard of it Jesus is crowded he's being pushed around I mean he's, he's in such a, he, he can barely breathe in there we've got to what we've got to lay hold of him where he's beside himself. Well, what's going on? Why are the people coming to Jesus? He's doing miracles. Healing people. I mean, the word's gone out. There's, there's a doctor in the house. And anybody he touches, they're healed. If there's a devil, they're gone. If you got a withered hand, it's straight. If you can't walk, you, you walk out of here. So the place is crowded and his friends say this is enough. We're concerned for you, Jesus. Hello. I lost my place. <laughs> okay. Did I did I Okay. I got to go back to my first page to see where I'm at. Okay. Okay, 14, 314. Okay, we just did that one, I think. And, okay, you're draining to 12. Now let's go back down to verse 20 again. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he is beside himself. Uh, now the text indicates that Jesus became absorbed in doing and serving people. That he neglected his personal welfare. He was not eating. He was not drinking. He was ministering. I mean, as soon as one person left the room, two other people would fall in. I mean, he wasn't getting any rest at all. So, his friends saw that uh, the basic necessities of life, Jesus wasn't getting, he couldn't get something to drink, he couldn't get to eat, he couldn't even rest. People are just crowding in, getting their healings. I mean, can you see people coming in, getting healed, and they're jumping up and down, and somebody says, let let aside, let somebody else come in. I need a touch from Jesus, and all these people are coming in. And Jesus has kept on going, going, and going, going. I mean, he says he's healed. When they, there's parts of the Bible says that he healed all of them. Here's a massive crowd, I mean, in this house, and he's, people are going out. I mean, jumping up and down. What, what are you jumping for? Well, I just came out of that house over there, and Jesus is healing everybody. Well, let's get Uncle Jack and, and Aunt Susie, and they'll get their healing you know, they got dementia. They're just going to clean these people up. I mean, he's, everything is going to be great. Jesus is there to heal. But his friends said, he needs some rest. He's been at it all day, all night. He has to be fatigued. Oh, wow. So they sought to restrain him. Let's get Jesus out of there, and so he won't have to do this. Um, for they interpreted his concern for others as insanity. They thought he had flipped his lid. He's not eating. He's not drinking. All he wants to do is touch people and get them healed. Um, he's a madman. Let's get him out of there. He's so confined to his. Ministry, his labor, that he's not taking care of himself. And his friends said, We got to do something. They said, it says in the, if you read it up, they said, His knowledge is snatched away. In other words, he's lost his mind. All he wants to do is heal, deliver, set people free. He's got a disturbed mind. His zeal, Jesus had zeal. I mean, people are coming in, and every time somebody is set free, I mean, the people are jumping up and down, and Jesus is so happy. Could send in the next one! Give me another one! I mean, the disciples are there, wow, and his friends are like, wow, something's wrong. His zeal carries him beyond the bounds. They said he's forgotten about himself. All he wants to do is minister, and if he ministers, he's going to drop over. Fatigue. So, we see here that these friends are people that are worldly that cannot see the spiritual or uh, cannot spiritually discern the power and the endurance of one who's under the anointing when when someone is under anointing it doesn't stop it, it just it, Send them on in. The Holy Spirit's here. We're going to get these people set free. So that anointing is there. It doesn't stop. But they, uh, uh, when you're in the world, you don't understand the anointing. Nor did they understand all these people coming and charging, nor did they understand the immediate urgency that Jesus had. These people need to be touched. I mean, if you went down to the hospital today, and I, I've been in that uh, uh, emergency care. Oftentimes you can't sit down because it's crowded. And they're waiting for some doctor, or at least to meet a doctor. And so Jesus is there, and here they come. They're going out, and somebody comes in. He's lost his mind. They thought. Glory to God. There was an urgency. He sees an urgency, because this anointing. And these people need it now, not come back tomorrow. I need rest. Come back tomorrow or next week. You know, I've got a full calendar. Come back next week. I'll be in uh, Judea next week or Samaria. Follow me there. No, he said there's an emergency, an urgency right now for those people. When someone comes into church and they are hungry for God, that's an emergency. For the anointing to take forth, come forth and bring them, their healing, their anointing, their' born-again experience, because it's important in that time frame that they get touched then, not later. So friends, when a friend trying to stop you, he says, "No, we're going to finish up on this." Okay, let's go to uh, we're still in Mark three. Let's go to verse 22 now. And the scribes came down from Jerusalem and said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils cast out the devils. Uh-oh. Hmm. That's not too good. And he called unto them, Verse 23, and he said unto them in a parable, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if the kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Look at this again. Verse 22, and the scribes which came down from Jerusalem. Now scribes were the learned men. They're the ones that copied the Bible or or the Torah and made sure that every jot and tittle was written down so that the next Individual reading the reading God's word would have it proper clear. There'd be no detours, or anything. So the scribes were learning men. They 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 wrote down um, documents in the law and drafted legal documents. Um, the scribes came down. It says from Jerusalem, and they had already come with presidential. Pr- presidential. Came down with un- <laughs> unusual conclusions. This can't be, this is not, remember what they said. Uh, remember what we read. Uh, what man is this? And we find out, man, he, he knows things. Okay. They they interpreted Jesus' deeds as being empowered by demons. Well, nobody can do all this unless they're empowered by demons. We just they said he, he cast out Satan by Satan. Um, but they could not Deny that he did cast out demons because they saw people get set free. Glory to God, hallelujah. And he called unto them and said unto them in a parable, how can Satan cast out Satan? Here's the logic that Jesus had. You can't, can't, Satan will not cast out Satan. As learned men, the scribes, the ones that wrote the word, made sure there's no mistakes, if, it, if they made a mistake, they tore out the page and started all over again. Okay. I learned they, uh, they uh, oh man, I'm getting, getting ahead of myself too much here. Could not detect their they they could not detect their own incapabilities of looking at the scriptures. They thought they will say heal the sick, raise the dead. Now, Well, we know he can hear the sick, but raising the dead, that's never been done before. So, I mean, they had preconceived ideas what Jesus should be doing. Okay. All right. Verse, oops, got to turn the page. Verse 28. That's verse 28. Verily I say unto you, all sin shall be forgiven all, boy, verily, 70, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, but blas, blasphemes, wherewith, whosoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost shall never, shall never forgiveness. But this, but he is in danger of eternal damnation. Okay, Jesus taught uh, some sobering doctrines here that describes, uh, what are you talking about here? Um, He talked about this is the imparable sin that we looked at. Uh, Here in Mark, it it brings this up because of their accusations that Jesus did things by the devil. Here's what they said. But he, verse 20, But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost shall never be forgiven, never forgiveness, but is in danger of damnation, because they said he... Had a unclean spirit, so they're calling the, uh, that all the th- works that Jesus did, all the miracles that Jesus did, it was done by the devil. That Jesus was controlled by the devil. Because remember, what did the uh, one of the first things we saw? The unclean spirits. They said, "This is the Son of God." And so, well, this guy is. An, Rancid sinner and is unclean, and he's in a sinner of God. They must be enjoying cahoots together. So, this is why they're saying that Jesus is doing this by the devil. And he says, This is when you accuse the Holy Spirit of being a devil, you are going into unpardonable sin, okay? Um, Versi- they oppose the gifts of the Holy Spirit and revile them as demonic powers. God is never neutral to sin. God either forgives it or punishes it. Glory to God! We found out that God's not neutral. You, when you you repent of your sin, it's gone. Glory to God! Uh, the unforgivable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an is a resistance which belittles. The Holy Spirit. When you say, "Well, that that was done by you know that wasn't God, that was done by devils," you're belittling the Holy Spirit. And there's a time that you continue. There's a time when people will continue to belittle the Holy Spirit that they will be there'll be no more excuse for them because you're 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 calling him the devil, and then after a while, he just lets go. It doesn't uh, bring any condemnation to them about their sin. They just are enwrapped in it and they fall through on that unpardonable sin. And we don't want to go that in that area. Okay. Um, as hard as it is, we must face the reality that hell exists and is promised to all guilty of the eternal sin, of that eternal sin. Okay, let's go to... I've got to get out of that one. Let's go to verse 31. It is like grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds in the earth. My, oh, I wonder, OK, let's go back. I am in the wrong place. I'm sorry. Let's go to it's Matthew pardon me, Mark 3, this time, 31. It's in the wrong spot. No wonder we messed up here. Okay. Um, it's highlighted in here. It says Jesus' true family. Verse 31. There came to then his brother and his mother, and standing without, sent, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren, without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And looked around about on them which sat about him, and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, my sister, and mother. So the family is wanting to minister to him here. Because remember, here, here he is in this house yet, He's doing his ministry, healing people, and you know they're 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 pushing in and running out because you know they're they're jumping up and down. And here's the, here's this, here's his family standing outside. They already heard from his friends that Jesus has gone overboard. You know he's he's not taking care of himself. So the family's going to step in and says, "We've got to rescue this boy." And you know, <laughs> hello. How many of you ever had your family concerned about you? You, 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 you know. Uh, You've gone overboard on this religious stuff, you know. Uh, if you read the Bible, you will go nuts. anybody ever heard that? I've heard it. You read the Bible, you go nuts. Get God's Word says you read more and you you go from glory to glory. It doesn't say you go nut nutting and nuttier. So, family members or other friends said, well, you know. anyway, we're talking about the family here. So they're watching all this take place. And instead of them going in, they say, Jesus, come on out here. Jesus, come on out here. You need some help. We are your family. Hello. Families are concerned about you. Okay. Especially when, when, they, when we look at what they said in verse twenty-one. Verse twenty-one says, "And then his friends heard of it; they went out and lay hold to hold lay, went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is beside himself, or he's, you know, gone overboard." So the family knows that the friends that, you know, you know, I know you're you're the brother and sister of uh, Jesus, and he's gone, he's gone overboard. Uh, he's taken this quote ministry too far. Okay. Um, they did they did come looking for him, but showed disrespect towards him. Uh, because he was preaching and ministering, and they're saying, come on out of there so we can rescue you, so you get some rest. And uh, they not only stood without having no desire to come in to hear him. They didn't want to hear him. Let's get, let him get out of here. Uh, uh, but they just sent in, uh, sent in a message. Come on, tell, when you go in, hey, wait, I know you're, you're sick and you're next in line. Would you tell him when you get up to him that his family, our fa- his family's out there waiting for him to rescue him from all the, the the commotion that's around him? He needs some rest. You know, he's going out, you know, he's getting to too far out there. Do you read your Bible every? Oh, somebody, I see. And we ever took your Bible to work? To class? Look at that, they got a Bible on their desk. They're a little bit on the gooky side. Are you, quote, scripture? I mean, you know, you're, you're meditating, you're, you're, you're doing it, out loud, I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. I pray over this project in the name of Jesus. It will be done uh, uh, quickly, efficiently, and, and properly. And people listen, listen to you and they see they've stepped over the line. They're one of those Jesus people. we got to get them out of there. we got to replace them. Hello. Wow. Verse thirty-two. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and brother, uh, brethren, out to seek, uh, without seek for thee. Oh, no, in other words, Jesus still in the anointing, but his family are still wanting uh, him to come outside. So when that individual comes up there, your your family's out there, uh, but heal me first. And he says, your family's out there. And what did Jesus say after he heals this individual? He stops for a moment. He he didn't say next. He he said, just hold on. And he says, verse 30, and he answered them saying, who is my mother and who is my brethren? Now, wait a minute. What? That's your mother and brother. That's your, your, your flesh and blood. And he's saying, who is my He is touched. Because that is his brother, his mother, and his sisters. He is touched. Who is? And what did Jesus say? And he looked around about them and said to them, Behold, my mother and my brethren. Well, all these people that are crowding in to hear the word, to get healed, he says, these are my mother and brother. In other words, he's taking it into a spiritual context. Not the physical, but the spiritual. You and I are His mother and brother, sister. We are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Who is my family? The Lord was not uh, callous towards His family with the question, "Who is my mother or who is my brother?" He wasn't callous. Ah, who are them? Got? No, he, right? He, he was teaching that there is a greater relationship than blood, family. You have a greater relationship. Well, will put it this way. We are all part of the seed of Abraham. Amen. But we're not Jews. But we have a greater relationship because we're joint heirs. With Jesus, the Jews are just sons and daughters. But you are a joint heir with Jesus. That's even greater. Hello. Wow. Think about that. Jesus declared that the greatest relationship among people is to be found within the realm of God's will in the family of faith. These people were coming in with faith that Jesus would what? Heal. They can hear the good news of the gospel. They were going to rise up to the occasion, become born again. That's who you are. We're a part of that family. Glory to God. Um, how to put that one? Jesus declared the greatest relationship among people is to be found within the realm of God's will and in the family of faith. Now, let me kind of. There are ties in the world. You know, we talk about blood, brother relatives. I mean, you're. You're tight. I mean, your family should be tight, okay? But there are ties in the world such as sports teams and their fans. I mean, you go to a sports, sports game and the people, some of these people paint themselves the color of the team. And they're raw, 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 you know, I mean, you, they'll fight you. And then there's social clubs that people join. I mean, you know, the elite have their social clubs. You've got to have X amount of money before you can join this club. You know, there's the uh, uh, well. Then there's car clubs. A lot of people join. You know, there's, you, there's there's society. You know, the high uppers. And then, of course, there's family groups. And then we can go even to something even not as great, but there's gangs. Think about it. They are tight knit. I mean, you know, they, 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 the gangs will keep themselves together. They say there's better than their family sometimes because they identify with one another. Glory to God. So, whatever group it may be that have strong feelings towards another, but they are not lasting ones. We want, like, when we come come to Jesus, that's a lasting. That's going to last for eternity. A car club's not going to last. Uh, sports I mean, you're not going to find in heaven a group over here, raw raw, go Rams or something like that. It, it, it's not that way anymore. We don't have to paint ourselves up. We got, we're in a family. You got better better uh, uh, social ties. I'll put it that way. Our union with Christ is, most, is the most basic and eternal of all bonds. Everyone who is in God's family does his will. Let me write, read that again. Everyone who is in God's family does his will. Are you doing his will? Hmm. Okay. The one who is growing in, lo- in a love relationship with Jesus... Is the one who does his will. The more you learn about Jesus, the more you want to do what God asks you to do. So when when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, I need for you to pray at this time, you will say, yes sir, we are going to pray. You don't say, well, pass it on to, to uh, Sister Grace, because I am busy at this time. No, if you're working with the Lord, if you're a part of his family, when he tells you to do something, you do it. Hello. Okay. Let's go back to the book of Matthew. Well I'll go to the book of Matthew. And chapter eleven this time. Chap- Matthew chapter eleven. Glory to God. We're about done. In Matthew chapter eleven. I want you to look at verse 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Jesus speaking. Come unto me, all, the, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come unto me, all ye labor, and I will give you rest. This is the first, really the first great commandment that we have. This is the foundation of a Christian life. Come unto Jesus. Amen. This is God's uh, uh, unqualified directive for us to obey. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. This is an invitation to come before his throne room of grace, to become part of his family. What what an invitation. Come unto me. Okay, you got that one? Let's go to verse 29. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Learn of me. Are we learning of Jesus daily? Glory to God. Learn of me. Are our ears attentive to the word of God? Learn of me. Obeying is the obligation that we have as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life is a new life in comparison to the world's life. We are new creature, creatures in Christ Jesus. We are of the family of God. Come unto me, all you that labor. Learn of me. We are joiners with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we call God, Abba, Father. Glory to God, hallelujah. Okay. That was a rough one for me. Quiz time. All right, what was last week's question? Anybody remember? According to the book of Proverbs, who is compared to the madman who firebrands, arrows, and death? Was it the scoffer, the adulterer, or the deceiver? That was found in Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. What is the answer? Just raise your hand if you know it. One, two, three. The rest of you failed. <laughs> Boy, we're going to. We, should we have after school classes? Well, if you look, you'll find out it, it is the deceiver. The madman is self deceived. He tries to cover his recklessness and his uh, indiscriminately acts by saying, It's a practical joke. And in Proverbs chapter, in that same chapter, Proverbs 26, verse 12, Seest thou a man who is wise in his own eyes? Uh, This hopeless madman is uh, conceited and deceived, Uh, he's a fool. He is a sluggard who makes excuses. He loves leisure. He is self-destructive and will not take wise counsel. This is this this madman. He values his opinion more than seasoned judgment with a room full of wise men. Um, His disgusting characteristics... And actions are shameful and he never sees the error of his ways. That is the madman. Okay, next week I'm gonna put, put it out there. Everybody's gonna read this one. You're gonna look up Psalms chapter 16. This is easy. You only, I'm giving you the test. Psalms chapter 16 verse 11. What is at the right hand of the Lord forever? Is it life, joy, or pleasures? According to Psalms 16 verse 11, what is, what is at the right hand of the Lord forever? Is it life, joy, or pleasures? I give you the answers. They're multiple choice. And if you read it, you got it. We'll see how many you pass next week. Okay, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit was able to minister to your people because I didn't do too good of a job. So, so Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. Now, as we go our separate ways, we thank you, Lord, that we are blessed and we can be a blessing to those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, and do your homework this week.